Welcome to the Werewolf Den, where we do a deep dive into the core concepts and principles behind White Wolf's Werewolf the Apocalypse. I'm Amelin. And I am Ryan. Hello everyone, welcome to the Werewolf Den. We are going to talk about a tribe that we have signaled that we were going to talk about for a long time now. Like two years. I don't think you've been even recording for two years. Well, we've been recording yeah, for... we started at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, we are talking about the BSDs, the Black Spiral Dancers. So when considering the archetypal villains of Werewolf the Apocalypse, it helps to really focus in on them as an emotional tribe. Most of the Gaian tribes have a very rational focus. Even things like the Get of Fenris. This is a war... You need strength to win wars, right? That is a rational base to plant There's, your philosophy on. There is some sort of philosophy to them in general, whereas the Black Spiral Dancers, there isn't any. Mm-hmm. And the worm is so multifaceted that it, you're kind of pigeonholing yourself if you try and think of some rational basis to it. Instead, focus on a very personal or an emotional aspect. And make that the driving force behind your individual Black Spiral Dancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get into all sorts of, of neat meat and potatoes on this topic. Because these are basically the mirror darkly to the Garu tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the Garu themselves. And so there's, there's all sorts of, of delicious stuff to sort of analyze there. But uh, for the most part, we're going to be looking at this from the perspective of a storyteller running a game. For Garu, there'll be a little hints and bips of, you know, if you were going to play a game, but our main focus is the storyteller and how to effectively use Black Spiral Dancers within your Werewolf the Apocalypse campaign. Mm -hmm. To try and keep it easy, we'll look at four different roles that Black Spiral Dancers can play within your story. Two of them are pretty, pretty simple. The other two are where all the, the fucking protein is on this topic. So quick and dirty. Let's get those out of the way. If you have a Cairn build and you need some some major power to throw at your peer, player characters, then Black Spiral Dancers have you covered. This is what we like to call the shovelware Black Spiral Dancer. Mm-hmm. Or the, you know, the orcs. You just throw a thousand orcs. The nice thing about Black Spiral Dancers is you have a lot of power in one individual body. And so you don't need, you know, a thousand Black Spiral Dancers to challenge the pack. One Black Spiral Dancer can very effectively challenge a pack. A pack of BSDs? Four of them? Oh, fuck. Now someone's likely going to die. Yep. Like, a little bit goes a long way with Black Spiral Dancers. But even if over the course of a year's worth of a campaign, if the players manage to rack up 40 BSD kills within that span of time, it doesn't break immersion. Because, again... There's more dancers than there are of the entire Garu Nation. This is assuming, of course, that you're playing on a weekly basis, but right. yeah. But you can play a lot of games and kill a lot of BSDs, and no one's going to go, where are these all coming from? I will say, there is a point where you will cross that line. So what I like to say is your BSDs are best reserved for your bosses, or at least your mini-bosses. If you shovel BSDs into every single fight, even if it is a BSD antagonist-focused game, you will cross that line. Right. One of the big things I always like to say to people is whenever they're coming to me with tips or anything like that regarding designing their villains, and they show me a BSD, 
I look at it and I say, can you do the same thing with a Fomori? Or a Bane. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then you probably should use a Fomori or a Bane because those are far more common and don't give off the same sort of gravitas that a BSD would in your encounter. Exactly. If your players aren't having a reaction to encountering a Black Spiral Dancer, if they're just like, oh, okay, it's another BSD, then yeah, you definitely know you've crossed that line. This is why we, when we said that there is a shovelware BSD, we brought it in at the point of, hey, there's a Cairn build. A lot of BSDs are going to show up to that. Because it's a Cairn build. You shouldn't be running Cairn builds every single session. Right. You're attacking a BSD hive. Mm -hmm. There's going to be quite a few of them. Exactly. Like, this is far from your only tool in your toolbox. And it is one of your most special ones. So Mm -hmm. don't wear it out. So long as the players are still like, oh, shit, a BSD, oh, fuck. Like, so long as they're having a strong reaction to it, you're doing fine. Mm -hmm. But the second you get that, oh, we're fighting orcs again, great. Pull it back a bit. Fomoris and Banes can do anything. There's no limit to their potential. So if you need to literally just throw so many antagonists at the players, bear that in mind. Now, one of the cool facets of the Black Spiral Dancers is the fact that they are fucking monsters, right? The places that they live, the rituals that they go through, the spirits that they pledge themselves to, these often have monstrous effects on them, both body and mind. And so if you want to get into body horror, if you don't want to, like, spell out their whole life story, but you just want an antagonist that is gruesome as fuck. You want somebody who will strangle somebody with their own intestine? Welcome to the Black Spiral Dancer. Right. You want somebody who's going to be in their Krinos form, having, like inky tentacles and like a maw that's like offset and way too big for its face there's your black spiral dancer and again the fact that these are or were you know and in facet garu like makes that all the more visceral you can have a fucked up fomorian absolutely but nothing quite hits right the same way as that being someone who's the same as you Mm-hmm. who's made choices that have caused this to happen. Like, it gives a very visceral effect of what the worm is doing mm-hmm. when players see that. And so you can do that to your shovelware, absolutely. You can make them, like, grisly and gruesome as fuck to really hammer that home. You don't have to spell out their whole life story. But it's definitely a tool to use, aside from the, hey, they're really powerful, just like you yes, are. Yes, kind of uh, this sort of thing works with your non-shovelware. This is kind of the universality thing. When you want your big, gruesome monster, here's your BSD. So, with the nitty-gritties out, uh, let's talk about the good stuff. In my storytelling experience, I have had a lot of success with sort of the archetypal, if you look at the books way that Black Spiral Dancers are portrayed. As the, you know, they were Garu once, but then they sold their soul to the worm and danced the Black Spiral, and now they've become this. Amelin's expertise is on the other side of that, looking at Black Spiral Dancers that are born in the hives, or, you know, lost cubs that get picked up, those that don't get an experience with the Garu Nation, but are instead sort of native 
worm creatures, if you will, and looking at all the interesting and unique and impactful ways to use those two types of BSDs in your campaign. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the fallen BSDs, because I feel like those are very much the go-to for a lot of people, primarily because a lot of people have a hard time separating the fallen from just bad werewolves. And this is one of those things where it can get a little dicey. One of the problems I will say that I do frequently have when I read up on BSDs is the descriptions will either read, they are too crazy to have any sort of sentience, or they are these mirror fallen Garu, but then they'll give Gaian Garu these sort of traits that just make you look at it and go, why is this not a BSD? Why is this Nazi Gitafenris not a BSD at this point? If this is an option for them, why is this turf Black Fury not a BSD? This sounds dumb and ignorant in a lot of senses when you don't handle it carefully. And so you can look at this from the perspective of kind of like a hard BSD and a soft BSD. Those hard BSDs being the ones that did, you know, go and dance the black spiral and made the Faustian bargain to sell their souls. Whereas the soft BSDs are those that had radical views. And within the Garu nation, people were like, whoa, Nazis? How about no? We're going to start a camp to stop you. And, you know, you haven't danced the spiral. You're just a sort of Heimdall. Yeah. That's your thing. And you're hanging out with, you know, ten other people who are also swords of Heimdall. And they're saying this stuff. And, like, we can't, none of us dance the spiral, right? Are we really bad? Well, yes, you are. But you're looking at two different narrative focuses to play with as a storyteller here. So, uh, with that hard bargain, that selling of the soul, I think that works best for more altruistic perspectives. Uh, so, for example, when I ran my LARP, I had the head BSD was a fallen child of Gaia. And his rationale, because if you're going to explore this with the players, you want to have a good rationale. Just, I want to see the world burn! Oh, we live in a society! Kind of bullshit is really boring and tiresome. And so if you want to have a Black Spiral Dancer that's really going to engage with the players, you want to have a good motivation for them. And so this child of Gaia had a ton of kinfolk. And, you know, the Garu Nation, they're, we're down by a lot. We need all hands on deck. Your kinfolk, we need them to take up arms and help us in the fight. Fuck, these are just regular people. They don't have superpowers. They can't change into Krenos form. Why the fuck are you putting them at risk? We're the warriors. We're supposed to do that. Why are you endangering these people's lives? Well, you know, the Garu Nation needs all hands on deck. So what are you going to do? So this guy starts to get enticed by the worm. Hey, we're the winning side. We don't require our kinfolk to take up arms. Your kinfolk can do whatever the fuck they want. We're winning. We don't need to take these drastic measures. So why don't you uh, come with us? And you can ensure that your kinfolk are safe and taken care of. And so this guy dances the spiral. Yeah, you know you're selling your soul to the devil. You know it's this is a fucking bad thing. Your entire life's cultural experience tells you that's the case. But this is the best way to keep your kinfolk safe. 
keep them from getting killed or worse. So he does it. This is an interesting thing for the players to engage with. This person sold their soul to the worm. They're a bad guy. We need to fight them. But the reason they did it makes sense. But at the same time, you also understand why the guy in Garu are sitting here going, we need the kinfolk to help us fight because we're losing, and both sides make sense. And that's really, really interesting to hash out in a game. That's a problem that you can't just resolve by dealing eight or more ag to an enemy character. That's good shit. And so looking at fallen BSDs through that lens, trying to find some good way to bring that out. And by the way, don't just come out and say that they're a fallen member of some tribe. Like, that's really good for impact if you play it right. I had this guy use a child of Gaia gift. One of my players was a child of Gaia. And we went to afters and he was like, that motherfucker used this gift. He was so fucking pissed. I didn't have to say, he's one of you. He used to think like you, but then he betrayed, you know, Unicorn. Play it well. And this just, you get all this impact. And it's going to incense your players. But again, you've got that good motivation, right? And finding a good way to spell that out to the players so that they know this isn't just a big, powerful mook who's going to beat you up. Like, there's a reason that this person sold their soul to the worm. On the other side of the coin for the Fallen, there are the, what Ryan termed as the soft BSDs, which are best played under one of two folds. One fold is they flat out just do not realize that they have fallen. And this is where I like to put a lot of those, once again, like Nazi or turf sort of get a Fenris or Black Furies. They just don't realize that the worm has seeped into their soul and corrupted them. And these are definitely very interesting because then players who have those savior complexes are like, well, what if I can? Whereas those players who are like, I just want to punch a fucking turf, they can do that. But it has that whole not condescending idea of with soft BSDs, i.e. unrealized that they are fallen BSDs, that, no, they are still fallen. You don't have to come to somebody who is an uber fan of the Bonars and tell them, hey, anarchism, communism, anti-materialism, if you go too far, hey, you're just part of the problem. That's always one of the things that people say is like a pillar of Werewolf the Apocalypse that always just comes off as privileged and condescending to me. Mm-hmm. The going too far should always be specified to me as a black spiral dancer in your story. If you're not doing that, you're not being a responsible storyteller as far as I'm concerned. And again, you can do this in a soft fashion, right? You can have, you know, a group of children of Gaia who are out to defend the unborn. That's their thing. And when they're all together, you know, they say this stuff and they believe it. And, you know... There's a lot of harm that's being caused by their activism on this. Have Unicorn speak to them. Of course, it's not actually Unicorn, right? Unicorn would understand that there's harm being caused. But the worm is really, really good at masking these things. And spirits are infinite in their potential. And so, yeah, have a worm spirit that's pretending to be Unicorn. That's using the same vibes the Unicorn gives off convince these children of Gaia that, yep, they're doing the right thing, defending the unborn. 
making them blind to the harm they're causing. Mm-hmm. Even when it's pointed out to them, they'll still stand to their ground. You don't need to have them dance the spiral and perform a ritual to sell their souls. They've sold it. They just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever had an online argument with someone trying to convince them otherwise, you understand that changing people's minds about these things tends not to happen. Yep. The other side of the coin, too, with the soft BSD is you can play up. They realize that they are fallen, but they have justified it in their mind. The NPC I will give for an example of this one sends Ryan into a blood rage whenever I mention their name. Jean, I played up as a fallen BSD who was a former Bonar, and Jean fell for very sympathetic reasons. Jean was her the cause for um, Garu Born Rights. Jean was very, very active and not listened to and not helped. But then BSDs came around and were like, hey, there's something wrong with them, not us. We are actually making the world better because the world can be reborn through our thing. Gives them that justification. Give them that mental gymnastics that they have to jump through. And there you go. There's your BSD that has gone too far, but understands and thinks, I haven't gone too far. You haven't gone far enough. And yeah, keeping in mind those aspects of the dancers that show that they're not 100% evil. Like, yeah, you can have your dancers that are completely mad and just absolutely gone off the edge. But then you can have other dancers who see those mad, gone-off-the-edge dancers and sympathize for them. You weren't given a choice in life, or you... How do you expect to function in this world? You have two heads. Mm -hmm. There's no possible means that you can function in this world. Which then leads us to our last subsection, I would say, of BSDs, i.e. the born. These are the BSDs that very frequently the books talk about being born in pits, being forced, basically, into the culture. And that's one of the things that you need to keep in mind is very often people stay in something for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the born, what I like to do is I like to, I did a lot of research on how people are born and raised in cults and how they basically just come to the points that they are. And when I create my BSDs who are born into it, I have my BSDs that want to escape, but have such intrinsic flaws that they keep on falling back into it, which again, can activate that sympathy card for some of your players. In one of the games that I ran, I had this one BSD who very much was like, it's terrible. I don't want to be there. I, I just want to be left alone. But he's being hunted and the players, there were four of them. And there were multiple packs of BSDs looking for him. And so when one of those BSDs showed up and was like, there's this other thing that's bigger than you. We'll protect you. We'll make sure that you are set up. And guess what happens? He relapsed. And he fell back in with them. 
And that is very much an aspect to go with it because players are like understandably wary, but they're also sympathetic. And that makes for juicy concept for that. There is also the hardborn cult aspect of it. There are the people who are raised in it and believe what they want to believe. For people who are familiar with Chronicles of Darkness, I like to call this the Lankia Sanctum version of BSDs. Typically what I do with that is I give them Lankia Sanctum mindsets. We were born monsters. That is our purpose in life. Look at the Impergium. The world was better off when the Impergium existed, after all. If we behave as the monsters we are meant to be, we are assigned to be, look at us. We were given claws. We were given teeth. We are creatures of destruction. We should be creatures of the worm. We should be the nightmares that induce good actions into people. There you go. There's your other sect of BSDs where it makes sense. And this is a built-in culture for them. And you can have them worshiping various urge worms, various spirits, various sorts of things. But it's this basic template. And then you have what I like to call the ambivalent. These are your BSDs who see the way that the world is going and they've either taken a very selfish, like, this is the way that the world is going to move now and I am just going to enjoy my life the, to the best of my abilities or I'm go I want to see what comes next. And this is like where you can really start to play with that madness. For the BSDs, because it is. Garu are creatures that do believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. So the concept of the world needs to be destroyed in order to be reborn can definitely appeal to a BSD. And when you play with these notions, when you play with what is it like then to grow up in a toxic culture? What is it like to grow up in this cult-like culture? What is it like to grow up in a cesspool, basically, and how people can come to justify that and how people can relapse when they try to improve themselves. This is where I think BSDs are interesting. So, you know, we've talked about all this great stuff that you can really sink your teeth into and digest with the Black Spiral Dancers. The problem is how to keep your players from sinking their teeth immediately into the Black Spiral Dancers and preventing you from ever exploring this stuff in the first place, right? Because if you have any pack of werewolves and you go, hey, look, a BSD, their first reaction is going to be, I guess we're killing this thing. No one in their right mind is going to be like, yeah, let's sit down and talk to them. Because, yeah, nothing bad can happen there, right? They're not going to ensorcel us or corrupt us. Nah, it's fine. Like, so you've got to dance this interesting position as a storyteller of... Coming up with these interesting BSDs and then finding ways to get the players to interact with that NPC in a way that isn't immediately violence. The soft, when we talked about the soft BSD, that covers pretty easily one of the ways that you can do it, i.e. trick your players into doing it. Right. Uh, they're at the sept. They're at the moot. Mm -hmm. Hey, look at them folks over there. Yep. Yeah. That's a very safe way to get those ideas out there. And fucking with the players, right? Mm -hmm. For our other examples, however, you've got to be 
a lot more clever about it. Now, sometimes this is just as simple as being clever with how you set up your gifts. Like, uh, with Ryan's Child of Gaia BSD. I gave him Strike the Air, mm -hmm. because it was a LARP, and I started off with near 60 players. And I knew that they're going to try violence. And so, hey, here's this gift that just, you can't hit the guy. You try and you can't. And he's going to talk to you about his fucking ideas about kinfolk liberation. You can't punch him. You can't punch him. What are you going to do? Like, finding ways like that can be very, very effective. Very, very frequently, like, I will make the tempter BSDs in my situation. Pretty much always Galliards. One, it makes sense that the tempters are Galliards. And two, guess what Galliards have access to? Moonbridge! Hi! Exactly. Or even lower level gifts, where it's just I can communicate with you in your dreams or telepathically. Mm -hmm. Like, you can find ways using a lot of gifts to set that up. Otherwise, uh, think of the, the Black Spiral Dancer's backgrounds. Like, on their character sheet, what backgrounds do they have? Do they have allies? Do they have contacts? Do they have fucking kinfolk? Mm -hmm. Like, using those aspects to get the players to engage with those ideas. If that BSD cares about kinfolk... Well, then obviously they're going to have kinfolk, right? And so, yeah, the players find out that there's some kinfolk that are unclaimed. But when they go and check it out and look into it, those kinfolk are like, no, I know what's up. I got a guy. He's cool. Who is he? Insert name here. There's no one in the sept with that name. Huh. They start throwing around sense worm. They start to pick up that, you know, there are things in the environment or maybe some of the kinfolk that aren't quite right. And you can build on it from there. Are the players just going to start killing all of these kinfolk because they have a suspicion? Maybe if they're really hot-headed about this stuff. But then you have the Sept crack down on them for killing a bunch of fucking innocent kinfolk. Who's the BSD now? Hey. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Like, going back to the BSD that I mentioned, where I tugged at my player's heartstrings and then eventually patted him to try it. The way that I got my players to talk to this guy, the whole reason that the players were in the city that they were in was because a kinfolk put out a call for help. And this kinfolk happened to be the twin sister of another kinfolk who was dating this BSD. And then on top of that, I gave the other kinfolk that was dating the BSD a legitimate tie to a player's kinfolk because the player had a kinfolk that was going through therapy. And this kinfolk that was dating the BSD obviously has a real soft heart for people that are just going through hard times and stuff like that and does a lot of volunteer work. So guess what? The players now also had a kinfolk who didn't want that kinfolk hurt. And guess what? If you hurt the BSD, that trickle-down effect hurts the kinfolk. And yeah, you give these shields and these layers that... Make it so that the players feel emotionally obligated to at least not immediately attack the BSD. They can come up with all sorts of like, oh, how do we get... They spend so much time being like, how do we get this kinfolk away from this BSD? How do we do this? Like, And then they got to hear the story about how it's like, I just want to escape and I just want to be free of this. But they're still very obviously suspicious of him and he doesn't know if he can trust them. And these people that he knows could potentially keep him safe because there's more of them. Say, hey, do this thing and we'll keep you safe. He's a fucking coward. 
And don't forget about spirits. Especially if you kind of discard the book's... Let's call it a very black and white opinion on what's a Gaian spirit and what's a worm spirit. Uh, because the books will segment them out very clearly, right? Gaian spirits are all these folks, and then all the worm spirits are fucking crazy. Even a cursory look at any of the tribe books will show that there are facets of the spirits. That are corruptible. That are very corruptible. If not kind of corrupt to begin with. Look at Rat. Love Rat. Rat's great. You have Mama Rat, who's about protecting and defending the... The, the swarm? You know, the bottom of the totem pole kind of thing. People at the, the dregs of society. You gotta look out for them. But then there's the Rat God, who is fucking fed up and sick of all this shit. And you should just burn down all the ivory towers and stand there screaming covered in blood as they all collapse. That's very appealing, but there's definitely some downsides to that. Right? Like, I understand why the rat god is still a facet of of Gaian ideology, but that's extreme and radical. And you can have extreme and radical bonars who are like, no, I'm just doing what the rat god says. Like, he's saying it, he's Gaian, so it's good, right? Well, it's causing a lot of fucking harm. No, and you know, ends justify the means. Bam. Like, you can still have black spiral dancers that are like, no, I'm, I'm down with the rat god. The rat god's where it's at. Well, um, so are we. So why are we fighting? Uh, like, you can use these facets. You can have a child of Gaia who wants to protect the kinfolk. And so, yeah, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go over to the worm so that way the kinfolk don't have to fight and unicorn's gonna be like, but you did the thing, but I, like, because these spirits are so abstract, right? They're, they're alien. Try not to put those human ideas into them. Obviously, there's that influence. But unicorn, as a spirit, is a very alien entity, right? There's things that the Garu are like, I get what you're saying. But peace in a time of war, that's a stance, right? And so... That peace can very easily be manipulated into being absenteeism. Yeah. And so there's all sorts of ways for you to use those familiar Gaian spirits as an interlay between the PCs and the Black Spiral Dancers. So if you got those good motivations, just think about that stuff. And yeah, kind of like with the the soft BSDs that we talked about, this is a great way to use them to kind of draw the players into the drama and the the ideology that's at stake here. Yeah, this is kind of why very frequently, like, when I use Banes, they very often in my stories come off as solid ideas that were corrupted by something. Because look at Al in and of himself. Al is death and destruction, and sorrow, those can be done in a natural and healthy way. You need to confront and deal with your sorrow if you are going to heal. But if you wallow in it, sorrow becomes addicting and corruptible. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, don't feel like you have to go all hog wild on Green Dragon. Like, Fenris will do you fine. Yeah. Like, you can use the guy in spirits... Because the player's immediate reaction isn't going to be, It's Fenris! Fight him! At least that shouldn't be. Players do what thou wilt. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, it's a great way to bring these ideas up without the players immediately rolling for initiative. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that pretty well covers it. I think we've hit on every point I want to talk about. For the most part, yeah. The last thing that I will say is I do want to talk about... Did I talk about the propaganda aspect? No. That's yes. what we have to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say, I touched on this before with being respectful and things like that. But another thing that I really, really, really would like to see more storytellers incorporate is the concept of propaganda within your BSDs. So. Specifically as it relates to the base tribes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Pretty much every single tribe, you read the base book and you can see, like, all the terrible things that the tribe is responsible for. There's eugenics amongst the silver thing. There's baby killing amongst the black furies. Uh, There's cannibalism in a number of these tribes. And when I mentioned before about how this just raises that eyebrow of how are these not BSDs? What if that's BSD propaganda? to divide and create infighting amongst the Garu. Uh, very frequently, particularly after I did the um, hashtag change the glyph thing, a lot of people were like, get a Fenris, need a redemption arc! And I was like, well, what if their redemption arc was that they never were involved in that shit, but the BSDs convinced the rest of the Gaian nation they were? Mm-hmm. The worm has these multiple aspects and has this manipulator aspect to it. And yeah, Pentex might want to spread those rumors and stuff like that, but Pentex isn't quite equipped to do it. At least not directly. BSDs are particularly softer, more manipulative BSDs. You start going around and saying things like, hey, this racist stereotype applies to this tribe, and people will believe it because people believe it in real life. Mm -hmm. And that is a way that you can honestly deal with a lot of the things. If you read something in the books and you're like, this is awful, I don't want to deal with this, I don't want it to ever come up, but somehow a player just comes up and like brings it up, you can just flat out say, BSD propaganda. And, like, everybody within the tribe understands that, but everybody outside the tribe is like, But what if? Or even, you know, have the tribe believe that propaganda too. Maybe there's nothing to show for it. You know, I don't believe that there should be any Bonar that eats moldy Otali cheeseburgers out of a dumpster. Like, what are you doing? This doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Why would those exist in a game? Oh, because the BSD propaganda says, yeah, they're a bunch of fucking bums. Look at them. They have no grace or dignity at all. I would say those players shouldn't be encountering Bonars that are eating moldy Otali's burgers out of dumpsters. But that's definitely the stereotype, isn't it? And so let that sit within the entire game. Mm-hmm. Because that's what propaganda does when it works. It establishes these cultural ideas that stick and linger and don't get disproven by actual evidence. People still believe it, even when you point out that they're wrong. And BSDs are a perfect perfect vehicle for starting and spreading propaganda. Mm-hmm. It's something for the player, if they're a part of that tribe, to rail against. It's something that you can let the players come into the game with those ideas without having to enforce them within your own setting because they're dumb. Like, it, it, it just works exceptionally well, given that this is a tabletop game, right? 
So yeah, all sorts of cool ways to utilize BSDs within your setting, within your campaign, to make them impactful, meaningful, and dramatic. Mm-hmm. All right. So now that we have those out, all out there, there's we mentioned lots of different ways and facets that you can use BSDs. And a lot of this sounds contradictory, and you know what? It should. Yep. <laughs> because you know what? You as the storyteller should use BSDs to how they best fit your campaign. And even if there's contradictions, that's fine. Because just like how there's different camps and sects within the Garden Nation, why the fuck wouldn't there be within the Black Spiral Dancer community? You've mm-hmm. got all these different people coming into the the cause, if you will, from all these different directions and reasons, like, yeah, there's going to be contradictory ideas within them. There is contradictory ideas in the world. Yeah. So. You can have BSDs fighting other BSDs. Give the players a chance to be like, I'm going to manipulate this pack into fighting this pack. Yep. Cool stuff. I mean, give a shadow or something to do, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I hope this has been helpful. I know it's been a long time coming, but there you have it kind of our thoughts and tips and tricks on how to utilize the most iconic of villains within Werewolf the Apocalypse. All right. We will see you next time. Hey, y'all. A little bit of bookkeeping here. No Pentex break room. Pentex has been doing enough in the real world, and we want to do something to fight against it. We put out an announcement before, but we want to reinforce this idea. We are doing a charity one-shot. We are calling it Rage for Pegasus to help the Center of Reproductive Rights and the general cause for reproductive health for people who have uteruses. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do this one-shot. The way that we're looking at to draw the players is... uh, If you go and you give a donation to the Center for Reproductive Rights at reproductiverights.org, we'll have the specific, uh, you know, hyperlink. Dooby-doo, all of that. And that stuff. Uh, Give a donation, take a little screen cap of, you know, the confirmation that you've donated, and send it to werewolfdenmother at gmail.com with the subject line, Rage for Pegasus, so we know what the heck is up. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will take the four highest donors and put them in this game. So if you want to participate... As we storytell a one-shot for you, there you go. Yep. Uh, now, we're also all about intersectionality here. And After we all, this is a five-player tabletop that we are putting out there. Yes. And we understand that, you know, the economy is rubbish right now. It's mm-hmm. really, really bad. And so if all you've got is, you know, a dollar or nothing, uh, we want to make a spot available for that as well. So if you make any donation... If you go to a protest, if you sign a petition, if you write to your representatives, let us know just the same. If you write your representatives and they send you a automated response back that doesn't even talk about what you had written them, well, you know, that's that's still something, right? We're doing the best we can with the tools we got. So mm-hmm. let us know again. Send it to werewolfdenmother at gmail.com and we will have a fifth player that is drawn at random from everyone who contributes. So that way... I know we're trying to raise money for our cause here, but I don't want to just have the richest people at my table. We want to have this open to everyone. And uh, if we get a lot of, you know, people who are down with this, maybe we'll do a second one. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But I'm hoping 
that we can do just the tiniest bit of good in the world mm-hmm. and have some fun and some much fucking needed catharsis. catharsis. Dear God, I am so looking forward to building the NPCs for y'all to shred. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's the best we got at our disposal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Send those to us and send them by July 31st, 2022. In case you're watching this in the far future, there is a deadline here. And by August 7th, 2022. Yeah, I think you said 21st, but just in case. July, July 31st, 2022. 22. There's so many twos in our year. Yep. Uh, and yeah, by August 7th, 2022, the Common Era. Uh, yeah, we'll let you know if we're going to be playing this, and then from there we can work out all the details and hash it out, you know, times and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So we can be flexible with this. Yep. Um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. For those of you who are fighting the good fight, thank you and keep it.